What's up, beautiful people? And welcome back to Relax. We're all gonna die. I'm Jackie Dutton, here for this week's episode of Spiritual Justice. Thank you so much for listening. A few weeks back, I published an episode called Rage Therapy, A How-To Guide. And in it, I spoke about how I was going through some shit and I couldn't tolerate being sad, so I'd be angry instead because I find that to be more productive and it makes sense in the episode, so check that out if you're curious. But lately, I have been encouraged to share my experience as it is unfortunately more common than most realize. So here it is. A month and a half ago, I was 12 weeks pregnant. Two days later, I was not. I don't really know what happened, truly. One day I was obviously pregnant and the next I was in pain and the day after that I was receiving a call from my doctor about ultrasound results earlier that day confirming I had lost the pregnancy. Heartbroken is an understatement. See, I never ever thought that would happen to me before I got pregnant. It wasn't even on my radar as a possibility. My mom never had any issues like that. As far as I knew, women in my family didn't have issues like that. I eat pretty healthy. I work out regularly. I try to stay stress-free. I don't smoke or do drugs. Basically, my uterus should be this completely satisfactory home for nine months. But for whatever reason, it was. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't. In addition to having what I thought was a perfectly acceptable uterus, I'm married, me and my husband have a house with space, our financial situation is comfortable, I wouldn't need to worry about daycare options because I would be able to be home until my child can go to school. Oh, and we purposely bought a house in an area with good public schools. Yeah, basically, I have all of the trappings of a situation that's like, insert baby here. So why do I now feel like just more cynical than ever that God only blesses the stupid, financially insecure, unmarried, and way too young or immature with good fertility? Uh, Because it looks like that's the case right now. And it feels like it. I've tried to stay off social media because it hasn't helped much of anything. Have you noticed how everyone is pregnant or just had a baby recently? To make the sting extra sharp, I have a cousin who got married last year and his wife is pregnant and she's due the exact same month that I was. So now I will get on social media and occasionally be blindsided by these bump dates and posts and members of my family reposting it because they're excited and I don't blame them because I understand because I was excited but now there isn't anything to be excited about now it just hurts I guess I should be used to the sting of social media's attention whoredom around large events and holidays things like How on Father's Day, every chick in the world hauls out their picture of their dad walking them down the aisle. For someone who has lost their dad and lost him before they were married, 
it's such a one-two kick in the nuts. It's enough to make me stay off the shit for a week until the algorithm moves on to the next social crisis of fear, porn, outrage. But it's strange because I'm not upset because I'm, I'm not comparing myself to them at all. I'm not angry at anyone who gets to have something I don't. I do my own thing. I handle my own shit. I take care of my own energy. I'm just sad because they're reminders that I had something that I appreciated and loved and looked forward to the future with, and now they're not here anymore. And there's nothing I could have done to change it. And it's nobody's fault. There's no one to blame. And even if there was, it wouldn't reverse what's happened. I guess all we can do in the long run is share our stories and experiences and hopefully someone who is experiencing something similar heeds the lessons and warnings and stories and works harder to see it coming and stop it before it happens. Hopefully combining this with science and math and real targeted healthcare, we will be able to make some changes. So let's talk about some changes that can be made using some real logic and actual statistics. One in five pregnancies end in a miscarriage. Did you know that? I didn't, but now you do, and now I do. Can you imagine if one in five planes crashed? We probably wouldn't get on a fucking plane. But the real salt in the wound is when a healthcare worker tells you that this just happens and it's actually normal to even have up to two miscarriages and that it's going to be okay and most people go on to conceive quickly and easily next time. Next time? Oh, that's cool. I'll just hit the reset button and, you know, after tracking ovulation and going to acupuncture and keeping my diet and exercise regimen right and not eating sushi or deli meat or runny eggs and telling my in-laws and family at Christmas and people are crying, they're so happy. Yeah, I'll just wait a month and then hit the reset button and try again. Try again. What the fuck? Is the uterus just a fucking Nintendo? I suppose this is the most extreme form of Darwinism, to just lay back and accept that one in five pregnancies end this way, and for the medical community to just brush it off as it just happens, because healthy younger women are able to just try again. But I was hearing this in the middle of enduring a year of lockdown, a lockdown the entire world has endured because of a virus that currently kills 2.2 out of 100,000 people. 2.2 out of 100,000. Not one in five. In total, the CDC website lists COVID as the cause of death since January of last year as 163 deaths out of 100,000. Percentage-wise, that is 0.16%. But 20% of pregnancies ending in miscarriage isn't a cause for a lockdown or concern or even paid leave at work unless you live in New Zealand and that just happened recently. I'm just wondering what statistic is going to be high enough for something to change. See, when you get pregnant 
and they confirm it at the doctor's office with a blood test and an ultrasound. They also draw several vials of blood. I didn't know what they were testing me for until it popped up in my health portal, but when I went down the list of things, I was really blown away. The list includes several STDs, of which I knew I didn't have, multiple drugs, none of which I've ever done, immunity based on vaccines or viruses I've had in the past, and then the usual blood count numbers. But here's the saltiest fucking part of this shit sandwich. Are you ready? There are two major hormones that control a lot of the production of your first 12 weeks of pregnancy that your body must produce for the pregnancy to be successful. And they are estrogen and progesterone. But they don't test you for those. Apparently, you have to scream at someone in order for them to take a look. And there's still a chance that your insurance won't pay for it. There's still a chance that it's extra expensive. Are you kidding me? They were happy to test me for everything from heroin to HIV, but God forbid they take a peek at the progesterone levels to see if it's high enough to fully form a solid placenta. No, just roll the miscarriage Russian roulette and let's see if one in five chances that the gun goes off in my face and anyone else's. I'm horrified. I hear or read about rare diseases that they find and figure out and they're raising money for them, where like one in 500,000 people are affected. I hear that now and I just think, what the fuck? If you were on this earth, if you were a human being, you were grown and created by a woman's body, by the very organs responsible for and being affected by this brutal statistic, but still, we're just gonna blow it off since the chances of trying again are there. For people wondering about fertility treatments, you need to realize that your OBGYN won't really even consider referring you until you've tried for at least a year with no success. A year. Or until you've had three miscarriages. Three. And to top it off, there is a cavern the size of the Grand Canyon between normal healthy women able to conceive in that kind of health care and fertility treatments and that kind of care. There is no bridge, no halfway point, no middle ground. It's one side or the other. And the other? It's financially crippling for most. The drugs alone for IVF treatments can cost up to $30,000, and there is still a chance the implantation doesn't take, and there's still a chance after that of a miscarriage. A lot of people are successful, and it's a miracle of science and medicine that it works, but what if there's a less extreme alternative at a halfway point that nobody has looked into? Around the time my husband and I started really trying, I ended up figuring out I had a large ovarian cyst. Cysts create an estrogen dominance, which is bad when you're trying to conceive because too much estrogen in your body makes your body think that you're already pregnant, so you don't ovulate. So after some searching on the internet, I found this natural supplement called Vitex. It's chasteberry and has been used for thousands of years. Literally, there's evidence that the ancient Greeks used this to regulate cycles and improve fertility. 
I read reviews and almost every single one included one of four things. One was that they had had terrible cramps their entire lives and this helped immensely lessen the severity every month. The second was that they weren't ovulating regularly or not seeing their levels spike high enough and this now was fixed. The third was that they had a cyst and it was now gone. And the fourth was that they had been trying to conceive and within less than three months they were pregnant. I figured, what did I have to lose since I hadn't conceived yet? So within two months, not only was I pregnant, but at the ultrasound eight-week appointment where they saw the heartbeat and confirmed my pregnancy, they also confirmed that my six-centimeter cyst was completely gone. Vitex could easily replace birth control for people who only take it for the regulation of their cycle or to lessen their cramps. There is another natural supplement called Inositol. It's highly reviewed to help tons of women who have PCOS, and they not only control their syndrome, but it's helped them conceive as well. In simpler terms, Vitex helps an estrogen dominance, and Inositol helps people with an androgen dominance. But have you ever heard a doctor recommend anything other than a pharmaceutical birth control for any of your reproductive problems? I haven't. Actually, birth control and ibuprofen seem to be the only two things out of their fucking mouths until you complain about something to the point of asking for surgery to figure out what's happening. So what gives? What's up with the lack of care for the thing responsible for creating life itself? Again, if someone would have given me the statistical choice of COVID or a miscarriage, I would have taken the kung flu on any day. Am I being insensitive? Well... I'm looking around at all the sacrifices people are making for COVID, and I'm just wondering if anybody would care enough to wear masks or stay home to save women from having a miscarriage if it helped. One in five pregnancies lost isn't enough to make hormone testing a standard practice, but whew, thanks for making sure it's standard to test that I got the rubella vaccine when I was a kid. I've struggled with whether to share this or not. Aside from my sister and a few close girlfriends, it isn't normal to start giving details about all your lady parts and the issues that accompany it. At least not for me. I also wonder and anxiously spiral sometimes, still. Driving myself nuts, wondering if there's something wrong that caused it, if there's something I should have done differently. I stopped taking the Vitex the second I figured out I was pregnant, and four weeks later at my appointment, everything appeared great. But now I'm reading that Vitex also helps maintain a progesterone level which is responsible for creating a strong placenta within the first 12 weeks, and consequently not to stop taking Vitex until after the first trimester. I wasn't aware if I had a progesterone issue, I'm still not because they didn't bother to test me for it. So I didn't know that I should have continued to take it for that. My doctor also never even heard of Vitex, so they had no advice. I've been greatly helped by my acupuncturist who has gone out of her way to help my body reset and heal for trying again. Now the last parts are up to me and my husband, but one component I can do that nobody else can help me with is the hardest part. It's resetting my mind. 
In case you can't tell, I don't do fear well. I hate being scared. It's bullshit. It makes me angry because I logically know things are usually fine. But I cannot stand being anxious or scared of a what if. It does you no good. When I was pregnant, we told some of the people closest to us. We didn't share things on social media, but a lot of the people we love the most in this world knew. And they were so excited for us. It was overwhelming to see people be so happy for us, and it was wonderful. But every time I told someone, I remember my heart would just pound, and I would be overcome with this absolute terrifying feeling that, what if this doesn't happen? What if something happens, and these people who were so excited are now sad and disappointed for us, and now I'm the idiot who told people too soon? It made me feel like I shouldn't share this news until I was 32 weeks along or something. I didn't want to be the cause of anyone being disappointed or sad, and I certainly didn't want to be viewed as a victim of a statistic I didn't realize was stupidly high. I struggled with all these thoughts about the state of the world. I figured out I was pregnant not long after the election. So I watched idiots storm the Capitol building, I'd wondered if COVID would be largely contained in time for my mom to safely fly out and help me after I'd had the baby, or if it would ever even chill out enough for my husband to attend a single ultrasound appointment with me. I was concerned about needing a new car to fit my new mommy life, and I'd stress about how my only child dog was going to handle having a new baby sibling. Spiritually... I believe we are all souls who come to Earth, but eventually return to our lightest spiritual form. And because of this, I'd vacillate between gratitude that this baby soul wanted to be with me here on Earth, and then I'd feel guilt about taking them away from the light and ease of that dimension and wonder about the state of the planet, the environment, the food, the social life and technology advances in their lifetime here. I was happy and scared and guilty and grateful all at the same time. I watched the news and looked at the world and I just thought, who the fuck would look at this shit going on on Earth and still want to be here? If aliens do exist, I'm pretty sure a good look at us in 2020 made them stare down from their spaceship and just be like, we're good. Earth is the Florida of planets right now. People are offended by cartoon characters and shit comedians said 20 years ago. I look around at the large-scale view with the bigger perspective in mind always, and I just still think, I barely want to fucking be here. I wouldn't blame someone else for deciding to not even come. But the halfway in, halfway out thing, that, that can't be the way any of us decide to do anything. So a few days after I'd gone from pregnant to not with nothing to show for it, I decided the best thing I could do for myself is eliminate the things I was originally worried about. I took care of my car situation and I got a new one that I love, but is also appropriate for an expanding family whenever that happens next. I got a puppy for my dog, so he has a best friend to run around with and a sibling of his own. I got Botox in my forehead so I didn't look in the mirror and worry that my worry lines were going to make me look old while I make faces at all the dumb shit going on in the world. I did my nails, I dyed my hair, I started to work out again. 
I went to see one of my best friends for a weekend and flew home for the first time in over a year. I got on a plane and I thought, fuck you, COVID, come at me, bitch. And most importantly, I remembered who the fuck I am. See, we've been doing quarantine for over a year. We've been told to sacrifice things we love and social interaction for the sake of this greater good, this higher purpose of saving lives we don't even know we've saved just by sacrificing our own livelihoods and biggest parts of ourselves we enjoy. Knowing that I've done all this and then was in the middle of the biggest personal sacrifice a woman can make with her own body, that was a real doozy. I'd been selfless and cautious and now I was tenfold more selfless and cautious and then poof, nothing. Was it worth it? Was quarantine and unemployment and Christmas alone worth it? Because I'm starting to feel like the only thing we've stopped from happening is just forward progress. And that's not who any of us were meant to be. That's not why any of us came to Earth. We came here to learn as souls who are taking the challenge of having an earthly human life. Souls who want to endure and press forward and grow not stupid fucks who sit around and eat garbage carbs and wait for a stimulus check. That isn't me, and I sure as shit know it isn't supposed to be you either. We're supposed to learn from and help each other, but it isn't meant to be at the expense of knowing who the fuck we are. And nothing will make you so quickly forget who you actually are, like being afraid of some shit that isn't even happening. It hasn't even happened to you. And as for the thing you were afraid of happening to you, well, I can tell you from firsthand experience, I'm still here. I've survived 100% of all the horrible ass days that have happened so far. And I know you will too. If anything, after the dust settled and I was able to be angry, I remembered finally feeling like myself. So I did more shit that helped me feel like me again. Not the person who wears sweatpants and watched all of Bridgerton in a day because I didn't want to do anything else and was afraid of COVID so I didn't go anywhere, but the me who conquers shit. The woman who refuses to listen to the word no and the woman who would be an awesome mom. In the last year, nobody has empowered anyone to remind people of this. It's just been the fear porn loop, so let me be the one to tell you you are capable of doing great things, of achieving the things you want if you work hard enough for it. Stop doubting yourself or second-guessing yourself. You're not accidentally giving people a virus by being your true and happy and most authentic self, and you're never gonna feel like the youest version of you if you're just fucking terrified the entire time. Asking yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen, can sometimes be the very situation you wind up in. I don't know if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy or not, but I can tell you the worst thing that can happen is usually not life or death. In my case, it kind of was. But it was also the death of whoever that quarantine person was. And I can tell you, I'd so much rather be a mother, and I'd so much rather be the child of the woman who feels like I do now, as opposed to whoever that was five or six months ago. See, over the last year, I was so worried about the bigger picture, I forgot to remember the smaller one. 
the bigger overarching message of stay at home and save lives. Don't do the things that make you happy or you're going to kill someone. The planet sucks. Everything's scary. Be afraid and horrified for the next generation. But then I realized I needed to relax because we're all going to die. No, I mean, yes, we are. But aside from this big perspective and frame of mind, I think it's important to keep, but it's necessary to zoom in and back to the focus of what you are in control of. So here's what I realized. Yes, the planet is shit, but we live our human lives with the people we love the most. We individually operate on the smaller scale of an individual human. We make memories with the people around us, and we learn from person to person and personal interactions. So being so preoccupied and worried about these overarching things that it deprives people from adding to the pool of people they love isn't necessary. I believe our souls make an effort on this earth to find the ones we've loved for many lifetimes. There are too many coincidences as to how my life aligned for me to meet my husband for me to deny some type of ethereal intervention. We go through life searching and clinging to people we deeply love in ways that expand our lives and minds and help us learn about ourselves and them and the world. And I know there is more to love than just what is here right now. Not just for me, but for everyone. I know confident love is the opposite of fear, and I know you innately know this too. I now know the statistical chance of having a miscarriage is one in five, but I also now know the statistical chance of having a perfectly healthy pregnancy is four out of five. The statistical chance of dying of COVID right now is less than 1%, but the statistical chance of living is over 99. I've said this before, but I will repeat myself. Taking empowered, informed, educated action is the only way we're going to elevate ourselves beyond the fear of the worst thing. And lastly, do the things you love to do that make you feel like you. Whether you say, relax, we're all going to die, or life's too short to sit around staring at the glowing box that tells you to live in fear, just fuck that noise. Remember who you are and go be that person you love, because the people who love you want that for you too. So that's all I've got for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this. You can find me on Instagram at relaxwearealllgonnadie. I release a five-minute Monday motivation episode every Monday morning and a weekly inspired message later in the week. If you like it, make sure to follow this podcast. I'm Jackie Dutton, and I will catch you guys in the next one. <music>